Welcome to Season 2 of the 52 Weeks Podcast. A series where four people come together to dream big, start small, and act daily. Hey guys, this is Meredith. This year, I want to kill it at learning the guitar and make yummy recipes. Why, hello! Steph here in 2021 is going to be my year to run faster, eat all the veggies, and read more than ever before. I'm Heidi, a new addition this season, and I'm excited to be here. This year, I'm slowing down, showing more gratitude, and embracing the whole spectrum of real life. I'm the base of the podcast, Josh. This year, I want to have a failure each day and achieve my goals for my company, JP Couture. Make sure to subscribe so you don't have FOMO. This week, we have a guest, Jake, and so I'm going to give him a call and get him on the phone. Mm, Not from State Farm. Not, not from, sp- no. He's probably not that cute either, because Jake from State Farm is really cute. Oh, is he? Yeah. Jake, how are you? Good, how are you doing? Good. We were just um, trying to decide if you are as attractive as Jake from State Farm, <laughs> so I don't know if you have anything to say about that. <laughs> but uh, I mean, I'm not wearing khakis tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's a plus or like a negative, but I'll let, I'll let them decide. <laughs> So, um, I want to introduce you to Jake, and then I'll introduce Jake to you. So, I met Jake on an airplane a few weeks ago um, during our pre-flight pleasantries. Um, He was gracious enough to be excited about my random trip to Louisville, Kentucky, and um, so that was impressive that he was able to, you know, get enough excitement for me on that one. And then we started talking about how... In his past life, Jake got a PhD in cutting meat, (laughs) and then he pivoted to building a financial empire. And so that information's a little fuzzy. I'll let Jake tell you more about that, because I'm sure he has better details than I do. Um, But um, his bio, though... Let me read you his bio so you get the serious side of Jake. Okay, one quick question. Yeah. Was he headed home as you were going to Louisville? He was headed home, not to Louisville, okay. but to Dallas, Texas. Okay. So I had a layover there. He got off the plane. I got on a plane and sat on the, f- the runway for hours while it was stormy. Oh, shoot. Then I got to Louisville at like 1 a.m. It was great times. Um, so Jake Reed launched his career in the beef cattle production sector and then shifted his focus to risk management and mitigation for small businesses. Since then, he has expanded into financial management services with the focus on guiding clients through market risk exposure, as well as the development of both long and short investment strategies. He created tax strategies to optimize client returns on investments and wealth transfer protections. He ranked number two out of 8,500 independent advisors in business growth. Currently, I know. He's an impressive guy. Mm -hmm. Jake, um, offices out of Dallas, Texas, where he manages 15 independent agents. So we're really excited to have Jake here. I'm going to introduce you to um, our other host. So I have Steph. Hi, Jake. Steph is the mastermind behind this. Her idea, her skills, her dream. And we're so glad that she has her energy here with us tonight. 
We got Meredith. Hey. Meredith, um, she's the one who compared you to Jake from State Farm. <laughs> so, so we'll see how that goes. And then we have Josh, and um, Josh is a small business owner. He does um, fitted, designed men's suits, so custom oh, wow. designing suits, um, super talented, creative entrepreneur. So that's who we have with us today. Um, so Jake, can you share to kind of set the scene, share a little bit of your background, how you started in me and ended up in wealth management and kind of what the path looked like and how you pivoted? Uh, you know, that is a, that's a broad question. It's a messy question. Um, <laughs> Take it wherever you want to. <laughs> okay. So I grew up in Texas. I was originally born in Connecticut. So I, I am a New Englander at heart. And my dad, with his work, we ended up living in a small town, Texas, and basically all there was was cattle and, and goats. So I just went with the role of, well, that's what I know. So I went to college um, thinking I was just going to go feed cattle for the rest of my life and live in small town, Texas. And I ended up doing a lot of education. Um, I did a, did my undergrad at Texas A&M University, which was probably the greatest experience of my life. It's a wonderful school, great tradition. And then as I was there, everybody's like, well, go get a master's and go do the nine to five thing and, and get more education. So I went along and got a master's at West Texas A&M, which is up by Amarillo in a small town called Canyon, Texas. And I travel around the country doing beef carcass research. And as crazy as that sounds, pharma school companies paid me as a grad student to go collect data on these animals and say if it made a better steak. And worked with some really cool companies doing those projects. And I ultimately ended up in Oklahoma doing a PhD in nutrition on how to feed cows. Like basically figuring out the best way to feed cattle. And ended up in a, in a feedlot feeding about 40,000 head of cattle a year um, in western Kansas. And it was an adventure and I loved it. But the challenge I had is at heart, I hated working for people. Um the day I accepted my job, my parents were so proud. I remember I sat there and I was like, I just sold myself out to this company. And I went and worked. And I was working 70 plus hours a week, going in and out, feeding cattle, shipping cattle, playing the cowboy life. And I realized after about three months, my paycheck always stayed the same. It didn't matter if I worked 40 hours that week or I worked 80 hours. And I just couldn't handle it. So push came to shove. About a year into it, I just walked up to my boss and said, hey, man, here's my two weeks notice. I'm done. And I didn't have much of a game plan, so I ended up in Portland, Oregon. And I ran two gun stores with a really good friend of mine and did commercial real estate. And I was loving it, but I wanted to be back home in Texas, close to my parents. So I had an opportunity. I was at a conference, and I met a gentleman that happened to know my dad really well. And we started talking, and he was in financial services and did real estate. And I saw a guy that had it was making had a great life. He was making about one point two million at the time, had three wonderful children, a wonderful wife, and traveled and got to do whatever he wanted. I said, Well, I want that life. So I sold everything I owned. I got in my truck and I drove to Plano, Texas and showed up into his office and said, James, I'm here to work with you. He's like, Well you got another job. I said, No, man, I'm gonna follow you around for the next six months and figure out what you did. And that's exactly what I did. I followed him around and, you know, fast forward two years later you know, I think I'm number four right now out of 8,500, so I've gone down a couple, but I'm still within striking distance of the other guys. So it's been an absolutely crazy ride to get here. Wow, that is so wild. Can I ask how old you are? 
I am 35. Okay. That's a lot of, like, career history in a 35-year-old. <laughs> I mean, you have yeah. a PhD, you've done this company, you've done this. <laughs> like, that's just... So how long between walking in and giving your two weeks notice and not having a plan to ending up in Portland? Like, how did... Was there a lot of time between that? Were you, you know, how long did that take? I called my friend and said, hey, I'm moving to Portland. <laughs> and I got on Amazon and I bought like five or six books and just started listening to podcasts. And I'm like, well, I'm going to figure out what it takes to be an entrepreneur and how I need to position my life so I can go where I want to go and do what I want to do with the people I love. And did you know right then where you wanted to go and what you wanted to do? Or was that a process as well? Um, that was a process um, that came back to, I think it was, it came back to, I realized I had to do a lot of self-development and figure out the skill set I was good at and the things I enjoyed doing the most. And I enjoyed cattle. I absolutely still love that industry, but it, it didn't allow me to do the things I'm naturally talented at which is working with people and networking and helping people understand, you know, the basics of finance. So what kind of self, um, what kind of things did you do to help decide what you were good at or figure that out or acknowledge it or narrow it down to a few things that you wanted to focus on? Um, I failed at a lot of things. (laughs) Okay. Um, (laughs) I failed. Um, I realized I was not good at the day-to-day tasks if I had to have a job that required me to rinse and repeat daily. I get bored really quick. My mind doesn't work that way. So I had to find jobs where it was new every day. It might be the same thing, like working with a client, but every client presents a different challenge and has a different set of needs. So I was able to find, go through jobs where I was like, if it's a minute thing that was very boring, I just couldn't focus on it. And it took me going through owning a gun store and running numbers for commercial real estate and doing things that I just absolutely failed at as a human. Mm-hmm. That helped me figure out I was good at networking and doing different things with clients every day. So the clients are what keep it different and keep it new. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So, I mean, you just make this all sound so easy, but can we just, like, can we can we break it down a little bit more? I love all the questions that Heidi's asking, because yeah. you just followed this guy around for six months, but, like, how do you do that? Like, without having a job, did you have a bunch of savings? Did you take notes? Like, how did you figure out what he was doing to, like, like, because it sounds glamorous, but, like, how did you actually, like follow and get all the information that you needed to go start your own and be in the top Um, top four of (laughs) peeps um so yeah there's a lot of non-glamorous parts of being an entrepreneur um let's hear him we want to hear so you know my first attempt right i'm sitting in oregon um, I mean, I was, I was homeless for like, I don't know, two weeks. I slept on my friend's bakery's floor for like two weeks, trying to figure out Oregon and what I need to do. And I just remember I laid there. I'm like, well, I've got savings. I, I'm, I, you know, obviously I've got a good education, but I know I got to figure out this entrepreneur thing. And I think when I got here with James, um, you know, I think everybody needs to have a good mentor to plug into. And I don't mean just go to, you know, Tony Robinson, and I think those are good, 
but I think everybody needs to find somebody that is doing what they want to do that's really good at it, that will take them under their wing and mentor them as they go. So I took a bet on myself. I took a personal loan out and said, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to give myself six months to, to figure out wealth management and, you know, the client side of this business. And I would show up to the office every day and, you know, mentorship works when the mentor tells you to do something, you do it. And that was something James would say, I need to do X, Y, and Z. And I would say, well, you said do X, Y, and Z. Okay, I'm going to go do that. And that's how I progressed it. And it was a grind. And sometimes I would do like X, Y, Z, and I'm going to do Jake Reed's ABC on top of what he told me to do. And anytime I would do that, I would basically crash and burn because it wasn't what he told me to do. And it might be a financial mistake or I might have done something wrong for the client. So there was a grind involved in it. I mean, I, I had to bet on myself 100% that I'd be able to figure out this business and burn my ships. And when I showed up, there was no turning back. I was 100% committed. I, I leased an apartment on the telephone driving to Dallas, Texas. <laughs> No, I think that's great. And so, like, how did you get these clients? Like, were you cold calling? Like, did your mentor just hand you people? Like, what did you do? Um, you know, I went back to one of my natural abilities, which was networking. And I just started reaching out to people I knew. I was just like, I would tell them, like, hey, this is a completely new career change for me. Let me show you what I'm doing. I know this isn't for you but you'd probably know somebody that can benefit from the services I'm able to provide on the, the money management side. So, I mean, I went through, I mean, hundreds of people and I got really good at taking the word no. I'd get no at least 10 times a day and it just fueled me even more to keep dialing. You know, at first I'm like, man, someone said no and I was salty about it and I realized I'm like, I'm making a lot of those. So I got to start fueling the fire with the no because eventually there will be a yes. I mean, 10 rejections a day is pretty hard, but I I think that's cool that you, I liked what you, you weren't trying to get your friends, but you were trying to show your friends what you knew to be like, hey, who do you know? Because then it's less like salesy. People aren't like, oh, what are you trying to sell me on? You know, but it's like, hey, this is really exciting what I'm learning. Who can I Yeah, help? I mean, I, I started in the middle, basically a pandemic. I showed up in January march everything shut down and i feel pretty much every one of our friends at least mine probably got sold vitamins or some ridiculous soap online through you know, a multi-level <laughs> company and i don't mean that in a bad way there's some great multi-level marketing companies out there but everybody's been sold something and that you know that you we have to have a we have to do a different approach to show people what we're doing these days i, I like how you were teaching your friends uh how to sell for you basically they're the greatest referral source out yeah. there. They really are. They've helped my business grow substantially. Like I was a part of a, a networking, uh, a BNI. I don't know if you are familiar with that. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so I joined them. I was in there for like two years or so. Okay. And I hated public speaking. And then they taught me... Like going there taught me a lot, like public speaking, how to do an elevator pitch, have different elevator pitches and mm -hmm. be able to teach somebody how to refer people to me. Those are great value. That's a big thing. Yeah. It, it probably grew your suit business substantially being yeah, able to get into a networking group like that. 
and you've got a you know a unique so you know skill set to be in a BNI type of group where everybody really does need a good suit. They've got a guy like you to refer to. That's awesome. Yeah. You need a good suit. I know a guy. <laughs> yeah, you know a guy. You know a guy. <laughs> His favorite color is blue. <laughs> Sorry, that's something we talked about just mm-hmm. before we called you. So, <laughs> joke. Um, so how long have you been doing your dream job of what you're doing now? I don't know the type so, of it. So. The type. So we are going on two years. Okay. That's really impressive. Your ranking after being in that for two years. With a pandemic. With a pandemic. (laughs) You know, I, you know, one of those things is like you get luckier the harder you work. And I don't think I'm anything special. I I know people are way more talented than me. Um, As I've got a quote on the wall, you know, 90, you're going to be able to outdo 95% of most humans if you simply show up and try for your goals every day. And then the five percent on the top is just a dog fight. Who's going to be number one? And it's that's the that's the challenge we've got, especially in our industry and the people I work with. I work with extremely talented and skilled individuals, and it's just learning from them and learn how they how to apply things for clients to help them be able to reach their goals. Because we win when our clients win. Can we go back to the rejection of, like, (laughs) 10 times a day? Because I've been thinking a lot about, like, you know, burnout, right? And how, like, love campfires. Like, me and Meredith, one summer, we did a different type of s'more every week, right? Like, and just how if you don't fuel your fire, like, when it's, like, starting to dwindle, it's going to burn out. And so how do you, like, to hear no over and over, how do you not get discouraged? How do you keep going? Because I think that is, like, you just say it like, yeah, I was rejected that much, but I, like, kept making the phone calls. But that's something that would be a barrier for people. So, like, really break that down. How do you continue going when you're getting rejected? So I I kind of have a twofold answer to that. I think it's kind of, there's two things I think to the formula that really makes a difference, especially when you're working in a sales or commission-based business. One, you have to know your matrix or your numbers. So if, for instance, in our business, I know for every 10 phone calls I make, I will get five rejections and I will get five appointments. And that's starting out. That's Those are the numbers, hard numbers from day one. And they've gotten better over time, right? For every 10 phone calls now, it's probably seven to eight appointments. But knowing your numbers allows you to beat the game. So you know if you had five no's, you're like, boom, I know I'm bound for five yeses. So statistics don't lie. So knowing your numbers really changes the way you look at no's because you're like, all right, I had 10. Boom, I know I'm going to get appointments coming up in the next few phone calls. So it keeps keeps you going. The next thing that was really important is plugging in to to mentorship and to what's going on, going to events, making sure you're up to date and around people that have the same goals and ambitions as you, I feel creates that synergy to help prevent burnout. You've had a rough day? Well, I mean, my business partner, Josh, who, you know, offices in the same building as me, we connect every day and just feed off of each other's excitement. And if he's having a bad day, He's able, I'm able to lift him up. If I've had a bad day, he lifts me up, and we're able to keep going. But we're constantly plugging into events 
and to podcasts and getting mentorship so we can always keep that fuel burning because it's easy to get burnt out. Mm-hmm. After so many knows, it happens, I'd say probably about 97% of the people that come into a business like this get burnt out because rejection is really hard to deal with if you're, if you're not prepared to take on the notes. Well, and I love what you're saying about meeting with your your friend and like sharing your su- success. Because in my room, there's a quote that says, "Enthusiasm is the human soul on fire," or something. And that could, like goes with like the whole burnout thing, right? Like when you're being like able to share successes and hear about someone's like, "Oh, you know, I had this many appointments," and it's like, "Okay, if they can do it, I can do it." And then it's just like, "Well, yeah, I love the." The talking to your partner and the events and the podcast, because I think that that taps into the why. Mm-hmm. Why Why am I going to keep going even though I had five burnout or five rejections? Why, do, why would I keep on doing this? And the energy is in the results and in the people that you see. Um, and so to keep your eye on that instead of the no's. Definitely. It, it, it changes you. We always tell our agents, especially if they're starting out and they're new, Make sure you're plugged into what's going on, that you're getting on, you know, our midweek calls that we do just to share a good message and get you pumped up or come to our our events that we have throughout the year, just so you're constantly around people that are like-minded and just as excited about their goals as you are. Yeah. That's awesome. So you've been in here two years. Where are you headed? What are the goals for the future that you're working on? That's a that's a wide question. Um, business wise, um, our goal uh, for 2022 is to get another 50 licensed agents um, throughout the U.S. and open an additional 10 offices. One um, in Utah. Uh, <laughs> what's that? I said one in Utah. Um, we are in the works of that. Uh, we'll have one in downtown Salt Lake and then one in Provo. Oh, awesome! Or two in Utah. That's way cool. <laughs> so we will be we will be in Utah, um, but we've had a you know kind of a paradigm shift. So we do a lot of financial advising, um, where I have five target offices that are do wealth management. Um, so especially for clients that are higher net worth, um, those we had our first one opening in January in Highland Park Village, um, in Dallas, Texas, and we're you know we are on the the shift to shoot for $100 million of assets out of that office this next year. So we definitely have lofty goals in financial management, but really the goal is we don't want to ever work for a Merrill Lynch or a Goldman Sachs, but we want to be the competition to Goldman Sachs and Merrill Lynch in the marketplace. Hey, way to be. <laughs> it sounds like so. you're on your way. Yeah. So. And how many, how many hours a week are you putting in towards this goal? um that is a tough question for me to answer because i don't actually keep track of my hours sure i i uh you know i don't stop working i'd probably say i probably work 60 70 hours a week without trying but it just really depends on the week like i do travel uh quite often usually once a week for to go visit clients so it just depends on which week and where we're at and what part of the country we're in. Can I ask um, another question about, so like, <laughs> with, I really like to break things down. So you're talking to people about wealth all the time, and it sounds like you have like your actual wealthy clients, right? Um, um, do you have people that are like, 
average folks like some of us in the i mean no, do, some of us are the very wealthy of, sitting here and then some of us are just the peasants right so what's your what's your advice to like peasants of um, just like that the like no one's gonna sue them because they have no wealth so how do they create it yeah, so, I mean, we do a lot of financial education. Um, we have a book called How Money's Works. I sent some to you guys. I don't know if they've made it yet, but Not you will get a copy of the book. Woo! And, I, and that breaks down the basics of financial education, just like seven money milestones of like, hey, this is what you need to do to get your money right. And the thing is, even if you're still on the spectrum, like, hey, how do I, how do I save 50 bucks? We work with a lot of people like that. Just to get the basic foundations laid um i've got a lot of agents so you know yes we have our wealth management side but we also have the flip side where we're doing just basic stuff you know unfortunately 85 percent of americans have never sat down with a financial advisor you know 64 percent of all americans have less than 400 dollars in their savings account it's just absolutely staggering when we get to the pretty much i call it a pandemic on financial education it's a crisis that most Americans just don't have it. So we do have kind of our crusade on that side where we're, we want to get financial you know, illiteracy eradicated, where you can say, you know I, know, I know how my 401k works. I know I'm properly protected here. I know I have enough in savings if something happened again and the world shut down for another six months. Well, thank you for providing books. Excited to read that. And yeah. but like also as you were talking about like the stats of things, I'm like it's true because I think a financial advisor that I have to go and have all this money to invest. And it's sort of like embarrassing, right? Because you think like, oh, at certain stages, you should have more saved or whatever. Um, so I like that you guys are trying to educate people and just seeing how you can save like $50 a month or different things. Yeah, that's, it's one of those, you know, a lot of people just don't realize there's stuff out there where they can do and learn the basics. Obviously, it's not taught in schools. It's not taught in your college education. Uh, I know I come from the generation where my parents didn't talk about money. I had no idea what was going on until, you know, my later years. And now that I'm in the financial sector, I, I handle their finances. But it's something I think most of them will plug into. And the great thing about the book that we have, it's super basic. It's like reading a comic book. Instead of cover the money basics to lay that foundation, where it's learning how to save money or making sure you have enough life insurance, that sort of gets you educated enough so when you do go talk to your financial advisor or planner, you can say, hey, Mr. Planner, I need X, Y, and Z, and this is why I need it. That's great, because I think that, I mean, all of us here are probably, we've talked to a few other wealth management advisor people, right? Um, <clears throat> but knowing where to start, how to start, what are our first steps are, what are your second steps? What if you've, you know, I know how to save 50 bucks or more, <laughs> but but then what, yeah. right? So I think exactly. at least from my generation and my experience, I was taught to save and I was taught to budget and I was taught to like not spend more than I should, like than I have. But after that, yeah, I, then I've got nothing, right? I wasn't, my parents didn't invest until way later. Um, so that yeah. wasn't something I was educated on early on. So I think I have 
basic financial understanding, but not necessarily wealth growth. Like I know how to stay out of trouble, <laughs> but yeah. but nothing, you know. Not going to buy my yacht anytime soon. So <laughs> I'm working on it. Put on your goal list. Help you get there. That's right. Um, so getting a, a little personal, you have all these great like career goals. Do you have the same gusto and energy in your personal life? Does it transfer over, or are you, or is that seventy hours a week where you're focused, um, or how do you transfer? Th- that skill to everyday life how do you balance it (laughs) how do you balance or share your wealth into your personal life you know (laughs) yeah um i am like jeff bezos in a lot of ways i don't think there's really balance i think you're trying to juggle things and you have to focus on the things you want to improve on um what you focus on improves and it does translate because there's there's things personally i love doing i love running um, I've got a Boston Marathon on my vision board. Awesome. Um, I love to travel, and I'm blessed to travel with a group of people that I absolutely enjoy being with. So we're headed to, I think, Austin for a deal, and then we're headed to cruising in the Bahamas, and then we'll go to Maine this summer again. So traveling always happens, and I think you know business stuff's good, but you have to be able to develop yourself as a person and you can't just develop you solely on business. You've got to develop more as a person as you grow. You've got to be diversified, I guess, is the best way to put it, as a financial player. Diversified into things that matter. Because at the end of the day, money's great, but you have to have a family to fall back on. Yeah. I feel Go. like it's time for the regular question we ask. <laughs> So we have kind of a set question that we ask about your daily right. routine. <laughs> daily routine. Yeah, what does your mornings look like? What's your what's <clears throat> what does your day look like when you wake up? What's your routine? Um, or do you have a routine? Or an evening routine or do you hate routines? How do you feel or about you routines? I rebel against routines. I love routines. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> I think they're important. Um, I'm I like I think morning time is sacred. I think the morning gives you, it's either to make or break the rest of your day, um, depending on how you handle the morning hours. Usually when I wake up, um, I dread the alarm clocks. I hate getting out of bed. I'm not a morning person, <laughs> but I know when I do get up and go exercise and run usually, like life's just better. And then I usually take about an hour for just personal development, whether it's reading a book learning something, watching a YouTube video. I have about an hour of just personal self-development time that I make myself have every morning just so I can constantly be improving and learning as I do it. And it's nothing business-related. It's usually like reading some book about mastering who you are kind of deal, like reading, like Thinking Girl Rich, which I think is a huge book. And then my day routine as I work off of a book called The 12-Week Year, um, wow. which well, breaks down okay. absolutely phenomenal book um, <laughs> highly recommend it everybody I know that is successful for the most part has read the book and applies the book because it's so pivotal on goal setting breaking down yearly goals down to quarterly down to weekly down to daily which just helps you keep track of what's going on because what you measure grows if you're measuring it and you know what's going on you know how to fix it and make it grow so I use that and then I use the best self journal 
daily to just keep track of what's going on because the vessel journal coordinates directly with the 12 week year. Hmm. Is that an app? Um, or is it just a journal? Book. Okay. It's called the self help journal. The best self journal. Or best self. <clears throat> and it's absolutely phenomenal. It coordinates exactly with the 12 week year. And I got into it right when I moved in. I was doing paper planners and I found this and read the 12 week year and it just all clicked. And it's been phenomenal because it, it's, it's challenging because it, it keeps you accountable for your goals on a weekly basis. So you have to, you know, when you're not making progress because you're not checking boxes. I love checking boxes. <laughs> <laughs> I do too. I don't like when I'm like, oh, I was supposed to do that this week. How is that affecting, you know, my progression towards my annual goal or my five-year goal? And you write every day, right? Uh, I try to. I, I definitely have the days I miss, but I usually, I always have a book that I'm trying to get through. Cool. Hmm. And if you're not a morning person, does that mean you're a night person? Do you have an evening routine? Uh, nightly routine goes back to the 12 week year. Uh, it's like my Bible I live by right now. <laughs> and I, I literally review what happened in the day, what was good, what was bad. Um, let's say I got a no or I got a rejection. I usually play back in my head what I said that I should have said better and go, man, I should have worded this correctly to the client or changed the way I approached this lady. And then I see, I look at my goals and see where we're at for the week. And then I'll email my assistant and be like, hey, this is what our tasks are for tomorrow. Make sure we're ready to go when we get to the office at nine. And that's my nightly routine and the rest, turn off the phone and do whatever at that point. But I always have to, end of the day, I've got to plan the next day. So I know what's happening. Very cool. <laughs> I, could, yeah. I could see her starting to talk so i i started i stopped you know yeah all right well, i know she's probably got deeper questions on that <laughs> the next one. no i do just think it's fascinating how important those morning and evening routines um with very successful people you often hear the planning the night before and scheduling all that stuff out and i mean it, we all know we all know what we need to do we just need to do it <laughs> <laughs> well said very well said Jake do you have anything else you want to share with us today any words of wisdom or a funny joke or anything <laughs> words of wisdom oh I don't know if I have any of those just save save your money okay. uh, reach for your goals um, you know I think anybody can have any type of goal whether it's small or big, you know, I've been helping my nephew with, he wanted to start selling like cookies, I think online. That was his thing. I said, cool. Like, let's get you connected and work towards your goal. So I think it can be any kind of goal, right? I've got crazy goals for my financial business, but I'm blessed because I put myself in that position. I think anybody can have that. And that stuff's readily available. Literally, you guys have a podcast talking about goals. I think it's absolutely phenomenal. <laughs> and there's countless information out there so find find people to plug into and you can get where you want to go you don't have to get an edu go to a formal education and do that nowadays which i think is absolutely amazing okay. um i want to go back to so you have the goal to qualify for boston and i have that goal too i'm probably farther away it. from it 
than you are. But I want to hear a little bit about what you're doing to get to that goal. Oh, my goodness. Um, what am I doing to get to Boston? Well, I'm running a lot for, for starters. I, I make sure I'm running, but I just getting strategic about it. That was something I realized when I started getting deeper into running is it's really technical. Because when I started running, I just threw my <laughs> shoes on. And I'm like, I'm going to run. And mm-hmm. that's what I thought running was. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, my goodness, running's way deeper than me just putting my shoes on and, like, seeing how far I can go. So then I hired a personal trainer to help with strength and conditioning to make sure my body was ready for, the you know, doing a marathon. So I started doing that. And then I started investing in a running coach to say, hey, this is how I need to do my splits, and this is how I need to manage my body, and this is how my food and conditioning needs to look like every week. And then I just realized it's a complicated thing. I didn't realize running was so complicated until I tried to get good at it. And then I realized it's a whole different world. So that's what I've been doing is I realized that was my goal, and then I realized I needed help to get to that goal. I couldn't just throw my shoes on and do it because I'm not naturally a good runner. So then I started getting coaching and guidance from those who know what it takes to run Boston. Yeah, and I like I have a running coach too, and it's so interesting how I used to run compared to like now, you know. And it's just like the value of having professionals that know what they're doing. But like, how do you get motivated to go out and run? When you don't naturally want to because that's where I still find my laziness come in like I didn't go running this morning so I have to go running after this podcast and Mondays I usually sometimes talk myself out of running because by the time I get home it's like nine and I still need to do stuff you know but I just want to hear for you like how do you not talk yourself out of it you know, I'm not going to say I always don't talk myself out of it. <laughs> Thank you for your honesty, um, Jake. <laughs> you know, I'll be honest. There's moments I'm like, it's cold outside. We're good. Yeah. We're good. So soon as I was out in Utah this last week, I was like, it's 30 degrees. I'm good. <laughs> but um, one of my favorite books is called Be Bold and Win the Sale by Jeff Shore. Mm-hmm. And he talks about comfort zones throughout the book uh, about how we get into our comfort zones as humans where my comfort zone is like I don't want to be cold but I know I need to run to hit my miles for the week and he talks about making the decision before it comes right so when that decision comes uh, hey it's to be cold outside you've already mentally made that decision to get uncomfortable and be okay with that discomfort because he talks about it where we can either have that moment of discomfort now or we can have a lifetime of discomfort because we're so drawn to being comfortable as humans. And that was one of the big paradigm shifts I had to have where it was just like, even in sales or anything in life, I have to be okay with being uncomfortable because I know the reward is going to give me comfort that I ran Boston or I accomplished my goals in business. Ooh, I like that though. Like the just already having that sort of in your mind that catchphrase of okay like I know I'm not gonna be comfortable when it's super early and I want to push snooze or if it's cold or when it's hot you know like there's an excuse for every season right (laughs) (laughs) but like I yeah who wants to live their life comfortably right like yeah so I like that thanks for sharing 
um, it's it's a phenomenal book, and it just it opened my eyes to how many lies I was telling myself daily of like trying just to be comfortable, trying to maintain you know that level, never get in an uncomfortable situation, and it, it changed my way of how I did business. It changed how I interacted with my friends and family, and then ultimately how I was looking at my goals. What was that book called again? It's called Be Bold and Win the Sale by Jeff Shore. Well, um, I study some like stoic um, philosophy and whatnot, and they always okay. say how to choose like um, to be discomfort. So when discomfort happens, you're prepared for it and you don't overreact. So, I love that. So I like they that. they did a bunch of challenges with like anywhere you go ask for a discount. Oh. At McDonald's, Starbucks, just always ask and I did that at first I'm like, "Oh, I don't want to. I'll just pay full price." Like but like at first it was kind of awkward, but then after a while I'm like, "Yeah, I'll just ask. It's not a big deal." So they have you do that to be uncomfortable yeah. so that you get used to being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And so when something uncomfortable happens, you can handle it like a champ. It, it doesn't really phase you. Mm-hmm. When I love what you said about deciding, like if you know that that's going to be an issue, am I going to get up in the morning? Am I going to go outside when it's cold? Kind of addressing what you know will be an issue and deciding now when that issue comes up, this is what I'm going to choose. Um, I love that thought too. Yeah, that kind of reminds me because you already chose like when this happens, I already know what my plan is. I don't have to think about it. That's what they teach us growing up, right? I got to say no. When someone offers you a cigarette, (laughs) what are you going to say? Right? So, honey, when it's cold outside, what are you going to say? I'm going running. Whatever. She is wearing her Dare t-shirt right now. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) I've been saving it all these years, guys. It keeps me going every day. I love it. No, I, I like that you brought it back to that philosopher and just being okay with being uncomfortable. It's something I work with my agents on. Just like, it's no big deal. He dropped you. Don't worry about it. That person said no. And getting to the point where you don't lose your focus, where I'm not saying that there's not emergencies in life, but most of the things that people freak out about and think the house is burning down, it's really not. It's just getting comfortable with just saying it's not a big deal. We can get it taken care of. It's not an emergency. Let's just treat it and not lose our focus. And that's something I work with my agents on, that they don't lose their focus when a client drops them or something doesn't go right. It's no big deal. We can get that taken care of. I'll make a couple phone calls. And they're staying level-headed with the client, and it completely changes how the client views the situation. Right. Because they're like, oh, he didn't really like beg. He didn't like cry. He didn't overreact he's just like all right well i completely understand like we're here for you any anytime let us know yeah and it it changes you especially in everyday life and that was one of the biggest challenges working in corporate america is that it was naturally my personality where it's like all right no big deal we'll get it taken care of like world's not coming to an end and you know my boss is going well why aren't you freaking out about this you could lose your job and i'm like well it's not that big a deal we'll get it taken care of 
So, and that's what I realized. I didn't fit into that corporate structure because I didn't look at life as an emergency. Like some, you know, that just wasn't in my blood. I think that that's got to be um, a healthy way to look at life, right? A much more even kill or comfortable, I mean, comfortable now that we're talking about comfortableness, right? But uh, mm-hmm. a healthy, peaceful way. Not saying that you're not working hard, right? So you've got both the, the everything's going to work out, but also the I'm going to make it work out, kind of the balance of the two. Mm-hmm. And you got to have that balance. You know, you got to know where you're going and you got to force yourself to get there, but you got to realize that you will have bumps along the road and you can't lose your focus because of them. Yeah, absolutely. Anything else? Any other questions? I have a hard one for you. <laughs> oh, Brace yourself. <clears throat> What's your favorite book you've read? Oh my gosh, you would ask that. Um, I'm the hard one in the group. I like it. You got you're all about the details. It's important. <laughs> I mean, the book that really got me kind of on the entrepreneur kick would have been the 10x rule by Grant Cardone. But I would probably say my all-time favorite classic that I think everybody should read would be Thinking Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Thinking Grow just, Rich. Thinking Grow Rich. You just you can't beat that book. Um, everything about it, about how to manifest your dreams and goals and how to write down your goals and to grow as a person, it, Napoleon Hill talks about it. And it's just absolutely phenomenal. I think if you haven't read it, you need to put it on your list. It will definitely change the way you think. And that is for sure. It's, it's by far one of the most influential books I've ever read. I wrote it down. It's going on the list. It's on the list. Good. You're going to love it. Well, thank you, Jake. Thanks for joining us tonight. Thanks for sharing words of wisdom and humor and all sorts of things with us. (laughs) We have loved having you today. Um, If any of us or any of our listeners need a financial advisor or some want to be your client, how do they contact you? Uh, They can reach out to me directly via my cell or my email. my cell number is 254-278-7175. It's always open. We always take calls. It's the easiest way to get a hold of me, honestly, is my direct direct to my phone. There we go. Cool. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Have an excellent rest of your evening, and uh, we'll let you know when your episodes are up. All right. Sounds good. You guys have a great evening. You Thanks, too. Jake. Thanks. Bye. Yeah. Not Bye. from State Farm. this podcast is brought to you by remnus audio if you also want to be accountable or record your journal or preserve your memories head on over to remnusaudio.com and steph here will take the hard work out of preserving your memories yeah i will you don't have to put them on a podcast like we are to share with everyone every week (laughs) Thank you.